My friends, to the In Obscuria podcast, a podcast where we exhume obscure rock and punk and metal, and we put them in one of three categories, the lost, the forgotten, or the should-have-beens. This week, I am going to go by the moniker Kevin Williams, and over there, that is Captain... No, it's just Robert Harrison, sorry. Cap- Captain I, Obscuria. I, you got the shirt on, man. I know. You get I'm, the I'm swag. rocking an Obscuria shirt. I wear it five days a week because I've got five different Obscuria shirts. <laughs> <laughs> did you hear about Rock and Pod? Unfortunately, yes, I did hear about they it. Have, They're going to wait a little bit. Be, they have moved it to 2023. Yeah. Uh, you know, you what gotta, are we going to do with all that ham, my are, friend? Are we going to invite everybody to the firehouse? We should. Oh, ideas. We should. Not everybody. Let's just pick the cool crowd. Okay. Not not Jason Bakken. No Baco. No Baco. He's in Minnesota. He's not going to come anyway. Yeah, but it's warm here. <laughs> it gets warm there in the summer. Yeah. Oh, just kidding, Baco. Of course you're invited. Absolutely. You got an open invitation. Yeah. We need somebody to open the beer. Okay. Today was the first warm day of the false spring that we always get. So The false spring. It was yeah, the false spring 72. today. It was 72 degrees. And I got outside. In Atlanta, Georgia. And like I do every year, got overly motivated, started two big landscape projects, and I've feel like a train ran over me two or three times. So, by the way, did you know that I'm no longer 26 years old? That's right, you're 27. I just reminded myself every year about this time, I remind myself that I'm not 26 years old. I get out and after being lethargic all winter and get out there and start doing landscaping stuff, then I'll, about this time of night, I'm just like, okay, yeah, I am getting up there. It's not as easy. <laughs> Robert's already taking his medicine for his oh, back. Oh, yeah, he popped a couple of ibuprofen, vitamin I. A couple of mollies. Good. He's feeling fine. God, it was a good day, though. I had to warm myself out. So if I doze off during the podcast, just throw something at me. All right, well, we'll see if we can keep you entertained. I hope you got something heavy. We got something heavy. No light rock episodes tonight. Let's just see. Hmm. Wow, how do you how do you know these things? I, know, I just feel I it. give you no clue. Feel the energy coming from that side of the bar. Mm. Well, after you feel somebody's energy, go listen to Pot of Thunder, Cobras and Fire, Growing Up Rock, Slamfest Podcast, Decibel Geek, A to Z Radio, Metal Up Your Podcast, The Hustle, Disciples of the Watch, Podcast Rock City, State of America, Rock Strikes Ten, Potter Than Hell, Podcast, The Kiss Room, Ages of Rock, Retro Zest Podcast. The Synaptic Empire, and don't forget about Mr. Monty Colvin, Monty's Rock Cast. Come visit us at inobscuria.com. Like us, share us, recommend us, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's everything. That's and then buy a shirt because Robert shirt. has five of them. Yes. I'm you bank, can, you bank out there, this operation. <laughs> you out there can at least have one. Yeah. And you'll, they look good. We always have great merch. Kevin's an amazing designer and it's only the finest quality. Oh, it's the best. Uh, uh, the best. What do they call it? Corinthian cotton. Egyptian cotton. Egyptian cotton. Yes. Corinthian, Corinthian. leather. <laughs> I was thinking Ricardo Montalban from the 70s. Pulling out references. Like, I, did I just mention I'm old? I'm just pulling out Ricardo Montalban references from the 70s. And he was in Fantasy Island, right? Yeah. Worked with wow. the guy. Bah, the plane is landed. 
<laughs> what was that guy's name? Tattoo? No, no, the real dude. I, they, oh, I don't know. They made a movie there, about Well, him. there's two of them. They were brothers. They were twin. Yes. Really? Go look that up. They're twin brothers. Are you brothers. sure about this? I'm sure. Hmm. And they they took over. I think one quit and the other took over. But no, I have what? no... Herb. Herb. Something like that. They made Bella a movie Chick? about the guy. Oh, did they? Yeah. Apparently, he was he was a bit of a spitfire. and Oh. He was a, a ladies' man and all this stuff. And they, yeah, they got a whole movie about that guy. Hey, how are you? Nice <laughs> to meet you. like your legs there. That's all I can see. <laughs> all right. So let's get into this week's subject matter because you need something heavy, you said. So I do. I, I don't have me, any caffeine. You got to wake me up over let here. Let me see if I can conjure up something here. So I was digging through the old family crypt. I went down there again. So you did some landscaping too? I did, yes. I was moving the coffins around. You got to do that every once in a while. Yeah. And I stumbled upon what I'm going to call, admittedly, some class A dork material. Classy? Class A. Class A. Dork material Ooh. yes that proves no that class how B much crap no no this is this is puts me right in the seat of being just the dorkiest Dork-ness. of dorks okay yeah so math rock no no so i was kind of digging through some stuff and out fell this book and i looked at it and i went oh god i did do that at one point didn't i it was the dungeons and dragons oh, uh dr- dungeon master guide how to be the king dork <laughs> The boss of all the dorks. But here's the funny thing about this. I don't know if you've ever seen those books back in the day. I'm sure it's all online now. No, I had Do you know the concept of this thing? So basically, you would read these books. You'd find out all about these different characters Mm -hmm. and beasts and all this stuff. And then somebody would put together what they call a campaign, right? And then you would roll all these different dice, Mm -hmm. different sided dice. Die. Why are you telling me the die? It's not very nice. I thought... (laughs) You're in the crib. You're already there. <laughs> so anyway, you know, the concept is you come up with these like wizard and warrior yeah. campaigns and then you roll dice. Dices. Dices. And I, okay. So Brandon Still, mm-hmm. my friend Connor Tindall and I thought, we're going to do this. This sounds like fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we all got the books Rip and stuff and we started looking through them. I'm like, damn, there's a lot of reading in here. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of stuff I don't understand what they're saying. Mm-hmm. And so then we got invited to this guy's house. This is in high school. We're probably 16. So Mm -hmm. we're... We're He's in, 32. We're in a band, and this guy was older. I think he was oh, like 18 or 19. <laughs> okay. And they invited us to his house, and it was like out in the sticks. We had to drive like 30 minutes with another friend of ours. Like, yeah, come on over. We're going to be doing like Friday night, Dungeons and Dragons, a bunch of dudes. You can't get any dorkier than this. But we thought, yeah, well, yeah it seems cool to us. Yeah, yeah, we'll try it. And we sat there, and he starts going through it, and the guys that are playing with him are you know, doing the rolling and, and talking about all this stuff, and we're, we're looking at each other like, damn, we're too stupid to play Dungeons and Dragons. I don't understand a thing these people are saying Mm -hmm. and we even tried after that because we just we couldn't hang we didn't understand what was going on and so we tried to do our own version of it and it was just horrible so it wasn't long that we went back to just playing our punk rock yeah on friday nights but anyways my character i remember was a druid Mm -hmm. okay and the druids were like these mystical yeah mystical kind of wizardy kind of guys and so when this book fell out in the crypt the D D book a little sheet of paper fell out of it which i had scrawled on it something about my character and I, i guess i was doing some research and it said druids of the circle of waves are tritons that channel the primal energies of the ocean and harness the mystical restorative properties of the sea and command raw power. Wait, those just those are rush lyrics. I know. And then command the raw power of the tides and waves. 
I had no idea what any of that meant, and I wrote it down, and I still don't know what it meant. It was but, cryptic, very cryptic. Yeah, that's about as far as I got with my Dungeons & Dragons experience, because that was all that was on the paper. But it did get me what I needed for this mm-hmm. week, so I think it was a sign. So we're going to get a little bit D&D, just a little bit. D&D. A little bit Dungeons & Dragons. Drunk and disorderly. But it was the been that it was this word waves tides and waves of the druids of the circle of waves and like of course it is time it's been since January of 2020 since we have done an episode 115 excavation Nawabum part two nice. Just think of how innocent we were in January of 2020. Oh, we had no idea what was coming. No freaking clue what the next two years were going to be. That's, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's amazing to think back. And what is Nuwabam, my friend? What have you learned? New waves. (laughs) I think it's just one. Oh, oh, it's just one. (laughs) You mentioned waves. I thought that was a nice correlation Mm. of British highlighted mutations. <laughs> oh, no, I'm thinking COVID. No, oh, right, no, no, right. No, it'd be heavy metal. Heavy metal. Yes. So perhaps the second most important advancement in the development of metal, only topped by the folks that created it, Ozzy Osbourne, Geezer, Tony, mm-hmm. Black Sabbath. Yeah, that was first. The new wave of British heavy metal inspired all the innovations of what we would come to know as heavy metal. Mm-hmm. The look, the sound, everything. This is where it came from. And it was mostly UK bands. Now, they did influence some other scenes, and we'll talk a little bit about that, but mostly really young musicians who were in England during the punk era. So mm-hmm. punk was big in the mid to late 70s, and these were kids that took everything that they loved about hard rock and acid rock before that and glam rock and they mix it with the punk attitude and they got this thing that was called new wave of british heavy metal at least that's how it was labeled and in the late 70s early 80s is really what gave birth to what was to come which was thrash and black metal and death metal and grindcore all of these heavier versions of metal that were were to come owe everything to the new wave of british heavy metal like I said, it's when the visuals of heavy metal was established. Denim and leather, mm-hmm. studs. I mean, they wrote a song about it. Saxon wrote Yeah. They got a whole damn album about it. <laughs> studs, <laughs> bullet belts, and the almighty battle vest. Oh, yeah. And that translates through a lot of bands there. The the denim, leather, different bands had different looks. Some were just spandex and t-shirts. But I think the battle vest is the one common element through most of the bands. Most or, of the fans, at least. Yeah, so either some sort of jacket that is either partially leather and, or denim and has a bunch of buttons or patches. You're, and stuff like you're, you have the one of the most epic ones. If people haven't seen pictures of it, that yours, I don't have one, but yours makes up for me not having one. I have two. It, you it, could wear the other one. Okay, I, I, yeah, feel, feel bad and let me wear that once in a while. <laughs> so if you think about the top tier bands that came out of this whole movement, it's Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, Motorhead, Saxon, Def Leppard, and a little bit lower tier, Diamond Head and Venom. Those are the ones that people kind of know of and think of. And it didn't stay in the UK. Once it caught on, there were American bands like Riot and Armored Saint. There was Accept in Germany. And in Japan, there was Loudness. And we've talked about all of these bands. And we've even talked to some of these bands. Yes, we have. That's pretty cool, actually. Pat ourselves on the back. Yeah. So let's jump in. Last time, we played a lot of really good bands. In fact, I looked back and we played 10 bands the last time we did this. We're not going to go quite that deep this time. I don't know what we were thinking. We were drinking a lot of beer back then. Yes. I'm sobered up. <laughs> Not really. Two days. But, but I'm going to start oh, with a band. Speaking of that, I found oh. coconut tequila. Coconut tequila. Yeah. Oh, good God almighty. 
Hmm. It goes down way too fast. I'm not big on the flavored anything. It, for the you most know part. what? It, it it keeps me from uh, mixing it with really bad stuff. So drink it straight. Anyway, I'll let you sample it straight. Okay. Yeah, me and tequila. Got a, we've got a history. I did too, and it's been 30 years since we last had a, a get together, and we've made amends. That used to be my drink of choice at one yeah. point, back mm-hmm. when when we first met. In fact, and, uh, we may take a break. I might go get one because hmm. I don't have any beer. Well, why don't you do that right now? Okay. Tequila. rolling yeah we're going got you a little taste all right all right so this is cheers it tastes like panama city oh my god it smells like spring break <laughs> it's, it's exactly that wow mm. so let me tell before i take a sip i'm going to tell my last time i had a big quantity of tequila uh-huh. was my last time uh it was i believe it was in the early 2000s and yeah let's just say i oh, projectile your birthday maybe i projectile spray painted someone's bathroom with tequila uh, that wasn't that wasn't me. The, this no. is the one you passed out at my house birthday. Oh no no no! Yeah no. All right, cheers. Cheers. Ooh, that's good. Yeah yeah. Mine was at twenty one years of age. We made a kiddie pool full of margarita mix, oh, God. <laughs> and just proceeded to get just nasty. Yeah, it was it was an ugly night. So my buddies used to do that where they get a kiddie pool and they they made this drink called High Test. And I don't even remember what was in it. It was just like a whole bunch of different- diesel one fifty one grain alcohol Stop. and Kool Aid oh or something like that. Whew. All right, all right, we're all right. we're back in back on track here. Sorry, well, how- derailed the show once again. That's right. It was very appropriate because the name of the song that we're getting ready to play from this band is called Blood Guts and Beer. Nice. So this is perfect. It puts us in the perfect mood for this. So we're going to talk about a band formed in 1980 by Algie Ward, who was a former bass player for a punk band from Australia called The Saints. And he spent some time in The Damned, which was a punk band from the UK. And he played on their Machine Gun Etiquette album in 1979, which to me is probably the best Damned album out there. So he left The Damned and formed a heavy metal band called Tank. And they are. Oh, that's a great name. They are often, you're going to like this, they are often compared to Motorhead because both bands were trios, both fronted by a singing bass player, and they both played kind of a loose, almost punk style metal. Well, I wonder if this is the guy that I read the story tonight. It just popped on my Facebook feed about how the singer for The Dam had a drinking problem. And of all people to kind of give him a lecture, it was Lemmy that took him aside and was like, dude, it's not how much you drink. It's not what you drink. It's how fast you drink. <laughs> so, <laughs> mm. I'm not sure those are words of wisdom, Lemmy, but... Yeah, but, you know, who, I don't know if it worked or not, but that was just the story. Yeah, the singer of the dam is Dave Vanian, so that's Yeah, I think that was, that was probably, to. yeah, so he was trying to yeah. help him out there. This guy, Algie Ward, was only in the band for a little bit, and then he forms Tank, and they're a trio, like I said, and they're considered to have one of the best Nawabum debut albums but their subsequent releases never quite matched mm-hmm. the force of the very first one. So, of course, I'm going to play from the first one. They've had six official full-length albums from 82 to 2002. I say official because, just like so many bands that we've talked about, after they reunited in the 2000s-ish, they splintered into two versions oh, of touring tank bands. So there is the Tucker Evans tank, which are the two guitarists, who have four albums 
that they've released as Tucker Evans Tank. And then there is the Algie Wards Tank who have released two albums in 13 and 18. So you've got two versions of these groups out there. The Tucker Evans is considered more of the real band, even though Algie Wards the one who... <laughs> put the band together. But something cool about that Tucker Evans version is ZP Thart, who we know from Skid Row and Dragon Force, was their singer from 2013 to 2017. So he left Dragon Force, went to that version of Tank, and then from Tank, he went to Skid Row, which is kind of cool. Making a good round. Yeah. So again, I'm going to play from the first album, the one that everybody seems to love. It is raw. It gives me a, a Motorhead vibe. Mm-hmm. The name of the album is Fifth Hounds of Hades. Released in 1982, this is Tank with Blood, Guts, and Beer.
course, now we've got to hear the later stuff to compare that, but that sounded great. Maybe think about how when I was learning to play the guitar, I was listening to late 80s, early 90s metal, Metallica, uh, Iron Maiden, at their absolute pinnacle, where the songs were just crazy over the top, the guitars were crazy over the top. If I had started back earlier listening to bands like this, it might have not have been so long before I thought about, oh, I could you know probably play in a band because I, I heard all the crazy stuff and went, no, I can never do that. Right. But when I listen to this, I hear the same guitar riffs that I was writing back Almost sounded I, like one of your riffs, yeah, to be honest. Waterfall. I mean, yeah. like it's totally relatable, this music. And that's one of the reasons I like Motorhead. I, I could see myself, you know, fitting in with a band like that, just, you know, music wise. I, I can't play. I've tried it. Believe me, it was ugly. I tried to play the Trooper back right. when I was first learning to play guitar. It was, I'm glad new, there's no recording. New of wave that. of British heavy metal band, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just, it's weird that the time, how the timing worked out, that if uh, it just delayed me wanting to get into a band by 10 years, because I just thought, eh, you know, I can't really do that. And then once grunge kind of took hold, I thought, oh, oh, okay, you can play simpler music if you're not a guitar virtuoso. You can still be in a band and have fun and write music. So I appreciate this early new album. What's funny, you mentioned Metallica because you probably got into Metallica more so a little bit later in the career than I did. Oh, right, one, you know, yeah. just, just come out. So I missed all the early right. stuff. Right, so if you go back to early Metallica, what were they influenced by and who were they talking about and who were they covering? Mm-hmm. New wave of British heavy metal yeah. bands. That's where, that's what Lars brought to James and Kirk and the guys was all of these European, UK-based bands that they didn't have access to at that time. And so Lars brought in all of this new wave of British heavy metal stuff like Diamond Head. And one true barometer of if your Nawabam band is worthy or not is, does the band have a patch or a button on a member of Metallica's jacket? Yeah, one of their jackets or, or, or did a they, t-shirt. Or did they wear a t-shirt? Yeah. And Tank is one of those. So nice. James Hetfield to this day, when he wears his battle vest, Tank is on his shoulder. So that's a good, that's a good compliment. Yeah. So another thing is, did you ever watch Stranger Things? You know, I watched the first two or three episodes because of the first season. Yeah, only. I think there were some. You know, I was trying to pick out some references because I knew some of it was filmed in Atlanta. Right. Number two, the '80s nostalgia at first I thought was kind of cool, the cars and things like that. Not to mention that I was trying to get my van rented because it was a '82 and it would have been rented, except you know it's a piece of crap. So <laughs> right. it was supposed to be brand new back then. If they need a piece of crap van, but anyway, so I watched the first whatever three episodes and okay. it, it, it got stranger and weird and I just lost yeah yeah know. so science fiction show on Netflix based in the early 80s the kids all play Dungeons and Dragons which mm-hmm. you know kind of feeds into what we're talking about here but I, I can't remember if it's the second or third season I I get confused because it's been so long since I watched it in one of the seasons there is this older brother character that's a real asshole and when they show him in his room in one of the shows there is a huge tank poster on his oh, wall somebody was doing their homework <laughs> so they had it right I, I can't remember what year it was supposed to be 84 or 85 mm-hmm. which is exactly when Tank was riding high with their third or like of album. all the bands back then to choose from from 1984 yeah Somebody either was a fan or really did their research. Yeah, so I was I was very proud to see that they had gotten that right, especially for some guy who has a mullet and drives a Camaro. Oh yeah, oh, Tank, that Tank would have been is that his character. Oh yeah, that's his character. Oh, I, I feel seen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to song number two, and this is a very odd named band from Bradford, West Yorkshire, England, formed in 1982. They're famous for their pudding. Hmm, pudding. <laughs> I love pudding. <laughs> We don't eat pudding here. No, we don't. It's different here. No, it's it's, it's like snack pack pudding. We yeah, don't we, have we eat Jello instant pudding yeah. here. Oh god, that stuff's good. Yeah, we don't eat. I haven't blood, had it. In blood years, pudding and stuff like that. Oh god. Okay, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> but this band has their name. Okay, their name is Baby Tucku. 
Like, why? Why would you do that what? to yourself? And it's they're not Japanese. They're it's, they're they're from the UK. Yeah, they speak. They English. know English. Yeah, they know. And they, it's not. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. Was there an inside joke? Yeah, so there had no, to have been an inside. So the insight here is, I guess they wanted to sound like they were readers. Their name is taken from a James Joyce novel, but still, it doesn't no. translate to heavy metal. Think about your fan band. base. Yeah. There's not a lot of metalheads reading James Joyce. Now, these guys were more part of the end of the new wave of British heavy metal. If you think about it, it sort of started late 70s. By the time you got to 83, you had Thrash. So your Metallica had come out with their debut album. Yeah. You had Slayer right behind them, you know, followed by Anthrax and a whole bunch of other bands who were getting a little more extreme than the Nawabum bands and would kind of soon take over that territory. So you either had bands that were in the new wave of British heavy metal movement, they were either quitting, forming other heavier more extreme bands mm -hmm. or they were trying to go really commercial so that they could get the hits or you had some that just transitioned like your judas priest and iron maiden mm -hmm. and def leopards so they all transitioned to these other things that were beyond where they started this band didn't even get their first album out until 86 so at that point they're kind of chasing well i'm sorry 84 they got the first out in 84 their second in 86 but still they were kind of chasing something that had sort of the wave had already passed mm. a little bit but they're still new wave of british heavy metal and something cool is after they were done in 86 the singer rob armitage briefly joined accept he was supposed to replace udo in accept and before he could record an album with him he was replaced by the american david reese Oops. who the album that's released after udo left was with david reese in 88 so so uh, close so close so close so here is at one point accepts singer for a minute baby tucku from force majeure that came out in 1986 this is from their second album and last album this is falling star
Yeah, I can see why they fired him. <laughs> I thought he would fit in. He, yeah. had, he had a sort of I love the voice. music, but he sounds like Brian Johnson trying to do metal. Oh, uh, okay. I didn't really dig it. Right. So I, right. like, I like the music, though. It's great sound. It started off great. But yeah, I can see where his voice might not be what people are looking for. I noticed a few pew-pews in there. Yeah. They added a little bit of, little bit of that, and they had some keyboards in there, so... <laughs> They were shooting towards the commercial space of yeah. 86. Oh, that was totally. Yeah, I mean, he's trying to be. When we talk about 1986, that's 1986. Yeah, if you weren't alive then, <laughs> that's what it sounded like. Exactly. Okay, let's move on to another band. This is a very obscure band, which is what we do here. So perfect place for it. This is a band called. Really? How about that? I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, and I got this off of a great compilation. I have two of these in this series. It's called Job Center Rejects, Ultra Rare <laughs> Nawabum. The Unemployable. <laughs> the covers are great. They look like uh, really bad children-drawn versions of tough guys from the 80s. <laughs> really great. I'm a tough guy because I'm wearing spandex and I've got like three cans of hairspray. <laughs> Aquanet. Sorry, I was trying to think of the brand. Three cans of Aquanet, so I'm a real tough guy. If you ever saw Napoleon Dynamite and the drawings that he would do on the in this movie. I never saw that. If, oh, you got to see it. That's a great movie. But yeah, his like what were supposed to be his cool drawings. This uh. is kind of what the covers of these look like. But there's this ton of bands that you've never heard of and over Overdrive is one of them, which how could there not be another band out there named Overdrive? Once again, that's a great name. I yeah, think Tank, Overdrive, name. excellent yeah, names. Great name. Baby Tucku, no, not so much. No, no, Not no, so much. No. Try again. Okay, so they were active from 1977 to 82, mm-hmm. and then they were active again from 88 to 94, mm-hmm. and then they reformed again in 2004, and they're still around today. Yeah, don't overdo it. So, yeah. Take a break. Yeah. Just like little breaks. Their heyday was really the early 80s, and they shared the stage with a lot of the kind of what I'd call B-tier, C-tier. Mm-hmm. New album bands. Probably the one that people know is Raven. They played with Raven, so they supported Raven on a tour. But they did their own music. So they self-released back in the day and they called their label Boring Grantham Records and they named their label after their hometown. And if you look up Grantham in 2011, it was voted the most boring town in the UK. <laughs> wow, you, that says a lot. So they got it right by yeah. naming their record company Boring Grantham Records. It's like Elon Musk and the Boring Company. So since the reunion in 2004, which was it's been the longest period of their uh, lasting as a band, they've put out more albums in the retro time in the near term <laughs> than they have when they were originally out. But they've released five full length albums from 78 to 2014, and they've done tours with some of the again some of the B tier bands to this day. They've just toured with Witch find which is another great the wobble band mm-hmm. which we won't play on this episode but we'll get there let's check out some overdrive and see if they live up to their name so this is on the run again from a compilation i have called job center rejects
was good. That had everything I love about this genre of music. I mean, starting off with Iron Maiden and right the singer that I can never remember his name, the first singer. It's oh wow, tip of my tongue right now. I stubbed you. Okay, I don't feel as bad. Anyway, we know we're talking about, but they had all the same the guitar sounds, the vocal sounds, everything was the same. I loved the little bit of yeah, Paul. (laughs) Paul, God, I'm I know. I've had a long day. I understand, and I'm you know I, I I. always have a problem with him but i love his voice because once again it's one of these guys that seems like an everyday guy you know it's not you know, bruce dickinson's amazing i could never even come close to singing like that but, a little more punk rock a little yeah edgier. exactly yeah. so anyway the little bit of feedback right before the guitar came into the lead i miss that you don't hear that anymore you know it's just the guitar sounds are so perfect that they sound like they're coming straight out of the mixing board where this you could tell that was a guitar sitting in a room with a microphone sitting in front of it this guy turns his volume up right before the lead starts and they just leave it in and i love that it's so analog and straightforward it's just hard rock but with a few little twists that make it metal for a four and a half minute song they had a lot of movement in it yeah you had that breakdown in the middle and then you had your amazing guitar minis guitar minis can't leave that out and uh i don't know about you but the lead i'd love the lead and i realized that it reminded me of a certain uh what do you call him uh perhaps a spaceman uh did it remind you of Kiss No, I think that was your no, kiss connection. No, that was no, your kiss that, connection with that, a K. That was your kiss connection. No, I don't know that about lead that. was so Ace Fraley in tone, and even the notes he was playing, I'll and it had the slop in it. I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. And it's all about the slop. By the way, the main riff. I'm sorry, but that was just a reinterpretation of "Making Love" by Kiss. <laughs> it was, man. I, I thought it was "Running Free." I'm running free. Well, that's what I thought. I thought they were a complete Kiss Iron Maiden baby. That's what it was. Now that's true. Yeah, if Gene and Paul and uh, Bruce and a couple other people got it on, had a, like some type of weird, you know, insemination thing going on. I don't know if you had. I don't know where you're going with this. I'm getting kind of grossed out. Ow! You know, I'm drinking. <laughs> if they have technology, they could pull that off these days. I feel like that was our kiss connection today okay. because I heard Ace Fraley all over that lead. Okay. okay. But we'll I'm see. Not, I'm not gonna... let the, we'll let the people tell us. Yeah. The people will tell me if I'm wrong. Okay. People? Tell them he's wrong. People! Let me tell you something, people. Anyway, all right, moving on. I had a little drink too, didn't I? Did you? All right, moving on. Here is another band that is on the front pocket of Mr. James Hetfield's battle vest. So wake up for this one. So this is a band from Wakefield, West Yorkshire, England. I love how I say that. Like, you like, did it, well. like I'm an Englishman. Yeah, you did well. Not, not at all. Worcestershire. Worcestershire. Originally formed in 1978, and they got back together in 86. And then they got back together in 2014. Do you you see a recurring yeah. theme here? <laughs> uh-huh. So we have the band like, oh, well, it's a popular again? Okay. It didn't work. And then- Oh, we uh, tried again. I got a mortgage to pay. Let's get it back right. together one more time. And then they get a little bit older and it's like, screw it. That's what I want to do. Yeah. I'm going to do it. I don't care. I got nothing better. Yeah. So K- Kids are in college. Let's go. This band incorporates a little more of the 70s glam rock into their metal. And something mm. interesting is the front man- his name was Steve Zodiac, by the way, badass rock and roll name. That is a good name. Steve Zodiac played a Fender Telecaster. Now, if you mm, think to different. these bands, I don't think I've ever seen any Nawabum band with a Telecaster. No, I thought they all played Flying Vs. 
That was just a they have, requirement. They have a, some sort of Gibson, or if they're playing a Fender, it's going to be a Strat. Yeah. Or it's going to be like a Kramer or, you know, or whatever, the whatever was coming on. By the, the way, scene. I think today's the anner, uh, anniversary of the Flying V from 1958. How about that? Yeah. I'm full, oh, of, full of it today. Look at you. So anyway, what's odd, if you don't play guitar, usually you think of a Telecaster as a, it was a mainly a country. Country, yeah. Originally. Rockabilly. And it's, yeah, it's a little more laid back, I would say, than, than you would, you wouldn't think of uh, a Fender Telecaster but maybe he had humbuckers in it but you wouldn't think of like a full crunchy tone no. coming out of a Telecaster I tried but I have one with a humbucker that I got from Jeremy which is mm-hmm. amazing that's my favorite guitar actually is a, is a Telecaster but anyway that set them apart a little bit because you just didn't see that and their first album was recorded live because they thought they sounded best live so okay. good thinking hey that's that, what we used to do that could have been a Kiss connection <laughs> so their big break was they played the Heavy Metal Holocaust Music Festival in August of 1981 with Motorhead Ozzy and triumph! Wow, that would where be was badass. that? Where was that? Did you say where it was? I don't uh, remember. You know, I don't know. It was just called the Heavy Metal Holocaust. I'm assuming was. in Europe somewhere. Yeah. is what I would assume. That's yeah, always good 30... to call something about the Holocaust in Europe. Yeah, yeah. I'm, ass- I'm assuming it wasn't in Germany. Um, <laughs> There's around thirty thousand heavy metal. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oops. Yeah. Not in Israel, not in Germany. No, okay, no. somewhere around thirty thousand heavy metal fans that this band got to play for, and their name is Vardis, which is kind of cool sounding. I don't really know what it means, Vardis. but Vardis. And again, they're kind of a little, little bit different sound because they they have a little glamier sound to it. And like I said, they are proudly displayed on James Hetfield's battle vest to this day. So five full links from this band from nineteen eighty through twenty sixteen. They're still going. All these bands, they just keep going. Good for them. They're riding the wave again. Let's hear a little Vardis. This song is called Love is Dead from The World's Insane, an album that came out in 
Okay, I like that a lot, but you had mentioned that they have a little more glam mm-hmm. influence. What was that? What, what did you hear in that song that was more glammy? Well, to me, it comes across a little more punk rock to me. Okay. Because it, it sounds a little more like mid-70s punk, yeah. which was taken strongly from the glam rock. But I think it's just the way that I'm they're not- putting not, you on the spot. No, no, no. I'm, I'm I think trying, it was I'm the attack. It was the attack of the, of the instruments. I okay. Think. It wasn't full-on metal. It was heavier in the sense that it was more like punk rock, more like Motorhead, where it's just hard driving. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. necessarily the guitar no, riffs. Like palm muted, crunchy crunch. Yeah, a lot of you know? crunch in that. So it was, it was heavy from the sense that it was just hard driving and kind of punching the face the whole song. It didn't let up. And it wasn't like the song before that had some nuance to it and it came and went and had some different stanzas to it. But yeah, this one just more like Motorhead and all the other stuff. This is one of those bands that back in the day when I was reading my little skateboarder magazine called Thrasher, mm-hmm. I would read about this band and, you know, but I never heard them until much later. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I heard this band until late 90s. And I knew of them from the magazines. I knew of them from Metallica talking about them. But once I heard them, I'm like, oh, yeah, I get it. Because remember, kids, there wasn't always an internet. There was not. And if you didn't have the, the late record, 90s. you're screwed. And you would not get a Vardis album at your local record store in the United States of America because no. it was an import. And unless you pre-ordered it from the record store, went to them and said, please order this for me. It mm-hmm. comes from England and I'm going to shell out you know, three times what it's worth mm-hmm. to get it. Then you didn't get it. You no. didn't see it. That's how it worked back then kids i didn't even know you could do that yep i was so naive yep that's how i got some of my progressive rock cds when cds first came out and i was trying to get into same thing these uk bands that they just didn't Mm. sell here i would go to my local store and it's like hey can i see that catalog and he would here you go and i'd mark them down and he's like okay i'll charge you triple the price for what they are and they'll be here in uh, two months not me i just took whatever they gave me oh journey okay we're supposed to listen to journey oh aha okay i'll buy that one aha aha flock of seagulls bought that one <laughs> hey, it's all good stuff, man. It actually it is. I spent yesterday, I did drive around a lot and I was in my car, so I got satellite radio in the car. Why weren't you running? I wasn't in a hurry. <laughs> Nobody was chasing me. Mm. But I was on the 80s channel. I heard like a steady stream of really good 80s songs and Flock of Seagulls had two good ones in there I've forgotten about that not Iran, but the other two big, well, not big hits, but hits that they had. God, I love that. I really do. I've got a soft spot. And all it made me think of was Brandon still on the guitar. <laughs> We'd cover Flock of Seagulls once in a while. and We would kill with that song, by the way. We, we would. We covered Iran and people just went nuts for it. And this was at a time when it, the 80s weren't really retro yet. Not quite. It wasn't quite cool. Yet. It was like, eh, they're getting It's on there. the fringe. It's on the fringe. So once again, we were trendsetters. But mm, yes, we so were. So refresh my memory. We talked, we told the story about the guy carrying me around his shoulders. Was that to In Cars by Gary Newman or was it Flock of Seagulls? Do you remember? Well, I don't know if you, did we mix the two together? We did I Ran In Cars or In Cars I Ran. Oh, that's right. We did a medley. So we did a medley. Uh, that's why I couldn't remember which one it was. It was because both. Because it was both. Porque no dos. Well, there you go. Why not both? <laughs> so tequila starts speaking Spanish. That's what you get. Nice. Los nice. <laughs> Finished. Anyway, so yes, that I'd put that right up there with Motorhead. That, like I said, I love the hard driving, hard rock. I, I, you know, give me some metal, traditional metal any day of the week. I love Metallica and all that, but I don't get this enough. The hard driving, almost punk rock stuff. Yeah, just it's like blur that line between punk and metal. And that's what New Album is. Yeah. That's why it connects with me so much is because I love 
both punk and metal. And I love the fact that they were, they were the first blenders. Mm -hmm. They were kind of blending it. And then you got the thrash and it was like, took the speed of the hardcore punk and blended that into metal and you got thrash. So love it, love it, love it. When we did our first episode on the Wobble Music, I played a band and you probably thought, those of you out there listening, probably thought there's only one all-female Nawabam band, and we played Girl School. Mm-hmm. And we've played Girl School a few times on this show. Do we, do we play Britney Fox playing Girl School, their song? Girl School! No, we did not. Okay, because that no. always throws me off when you talk and about we probably school. Will, and we probably won't. Doing good. Okay, that's good. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay with that. We'll play Black Eyed Susan because that was the band that Dizzy Dean went to after Britney Fox. Okay, and deal. I think, I think we already have, maybe. Yeah, I think we have. I remember talking about Dizzy Dean in the baseball <laughs> league. <laughs> so anyway, there is another all-female band that played Nwabam back in the day, and this is a band from Wandsworth, South London, formed in 1977 by two sisters, Jody and Julie Turner. And their demos were circulating the London underground scene in the late 70s. And then they got their big break. They played the Reading Festival, which is a oh, huge big. Year, yearly festival, annual festival in England. And they played it in 1982, and they got their deal with AM Records out of that one performance at the Reading Festival, which is pretty cool. And after their second album came out in 83, they actually co-headlined a tour with Y&T, which is a fairly famous hair band. And they supported, in 1983, they supported both Iron Maiden and Def Leppard on their UK and European tours. And this band is called Rock Goddess. Oh, that's a good one, too. So all-female band called Rock Goddess. A little tongue-in-cheek, you know, but hell, they supported Iron Maiden and Def Leppard in 1983. That was peace of mind for Maiden, and that would have been maybe just before Pyromania Mm -hmm. for Def Leppard. So it had been high and dry, I guess. Badass. So badass. Yeah, I don't know what the music industry was like exactly back then, but I can't imagine early 80s being an all-female rock group. Oh, I'm sure they got treated real well. Yeah, that's what I was getting at. (laughs) I bet these are a bunch of really tough chicks. Yeah. (laughs) Because they had to be. Yeah, to put up with that crap that they had to deal with, I'm sure. Yeah. So they disbanded in 87, but they reformed several times, just like all of these bands. And by 2019, they had another top 10 album in the UK on the rock and metal chart, which is pretty cool. They had a top 40 placing national song mm-hmm. and they've they've only had four full lengths from 83 to 2019 but their latest album they actually got some good exposure so we're gonna play a little old school rock goddess this is from their very first album just called rock goddess and i love the title of this song for an all-female girl group who are playing the wobble music this is called satisfied then crucified Ooh, look out <laughs>
Yeah, let's delve into them some more at some point in the future. Those ladies just kicked us in the nuts. That, I, I, my voice is up here because I just got kicked. In. Yes, I agree. That was. A, I love that voice. That's a don't fuck with me voice. Yeah, totally. That is. She's got some cojones. Yeah, metaphorically. Let's just really, say. really, really <laughs> dig this band. In yeah. fact, I as much as I love girl school, I kind of like no. I, I, this 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 just took a couple of steps ahead of girl school for me. I love that voice. I love the hard driving rock and roll sound of that. Nawabum. The yeah, I can't put my finger on exactly the difference between that and a couple other bands that are got the same driving sound, but they're not Nawabum. But there's just this force behind that music yeah. that propelled them and other bands to go yeah let's do that very very much of the early 80s I mean you can just yeah. hear it and go that's early 80s oh that's it it didn't I mean you try to recreate that any other time and it's not going to sound the same although we have played some of these newer new wave of traditional heavy metal bands that do a pretty damn good job of, of it, but traditional metal of trying to do right. this but this yeah. new new wave stuff has never been duplicated that I know of yeah it was just a time and a place yeah, super cool band. And they actually, I think one of the members did go over to girl school, so they have kind of traded <laughs> members a little bit. But they don't, I guess they don't have that many options. No, there I was going to say, the, uh, there aren't job openings in that realm are pretty short. But I would put these ladies, I mean, they're just as badass as Wendy O. Williams mm-hmm. or, or girl school who were out at that time. And very much in the same line as the Runaways, so just kick-ass women playing rock and roll. Love it. Needs to be more of it. It really does. I tried to make a few. They're just not going down the right path yet. <laughs> There's still time. Don't push them too hard. They'll run away. They'll rebel by not being music, but if you just ignore it, they're going to be rebellious and pick up the guitar. Actually, I haven't pushed my kids at all. I, I just laid it out to them. I said, if you want to go in the room down uh-huh. in the basement, if you want to play the drums, if you want to pick up a uh-huh. guitar or anything, it's there for you. Right. You can do it anytime. And how many parents are like, no, don't touch that. Don't, don't touch, touch that. that. Don't go in that room. That's yeah. My stuff. No, no, you're like. No, I was like, hit the hell of those drums. And yeah. what do they do? They completely ignore it. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all of 10 years old. They are. We'll see what happens. Don't get them started too soon. They'll peak at, you know, 12. And then, you know. <laughs> we'll see what happens. I don't know. I don't care as long as they're happy. Yep. All right. So here's another band that you always heard about. You always read about back in the day in the old metal mags. But again, I just never had exposure to them until later in the 90s. And it's a band called Praying Mantis. I mean, if you want to come up with a metal band name, Praying Mantis is pretty. Mm, it's no, pretty is good. it Pray, P-R-A-Y? It is P-R-A-Y. See. Yeah, it could be P-R-E-Y. Right. Yeah. Uh, see what they did there. But no, Praying Mantis, yes. And this is a band that's a little bit older. They formed in 1973. So they were around for most of the 70s, and they have the exact same story as Maiden. So they had their demo tape handed to Neil Kay same thing that Maiden had happened. And he was the one who, along with a, a writer, kind of coined the phrase new wave of British heavy metal. He was the one, Neil Kay, that was playing these demo tapes from these bands at the Sound House, which I believe was a club, basically, mm-hmm. where kids would actually go in. This was a thing for oh, the album. Was this the guitar thing? Yeah, so they would yes. go in and they would air guitar. They would take their homemade flat mm-hmm. cardboard or whatever they made them out of. They would go in and they would listen to Neil Kay spin all these bands and they would air guitar. I remember band. reading this story thinking, that is the most bizarre thing. <laughs> yeah, it was a thing. I mean, we do it ironically, like, oh, look at me. But no, they would yeah. practice and yeah. like decorate they, these guitars. Decorate these fake guitars, yeah. Yeah. And you can even see, and I don't know if you remember the Judas Priest video for Breaking the Law, where the the cop, so the, the whole premise is they break into the bank or whatever, they're robbing a bank, and by the end of it, one of the security guys is playing like a, a fake guitar, and I always wondered oh, as a I've kid. Oh, I've got to like, go back and look at that now. I was like, why is he playing, why didn't they just give him a real guitar? Yeah, well, a, what he was doing was exactly what the kids were doing. You think it's doing. like a really super low budget, they can't exactly. even afford that's a, what I a guitar to give him. And it was a reverse V, I remember yeah. it was a reverse V, and I'm like, that's the dumbest guitar. 
guitar, fake guitar I've ever seen. The V's not oh, going okay. the right way. Yeah, when we're done, I'm going to go look that so up. So you got to go look that up. But that's what they were referring to is this whole scene where they would go and listen to the sound Very house. strange. And, so same story with Praying Mantis. They took it to Neil Kay. He played it at Soundhouse. And eventually, just like Maiden, he released their album on the Soundhouse tapes and came out in 1979, right around mm-hmm. the same time as Maiden. Didn't quite go the same path as Maiden, but they were a supporting band for Maiden. They were a supporting band for Ronnie Montrose's band Gamma, who we've actually played before on the program. And they had a, another song that was on the Metal for Mothers compilation, which we talked about in our last Nuwabam episode, which was one of those compilations that helped kind of mm-hmm. spurned the scene. So this band had everything going from just like a Saxon or a Maiden or, or Def Leppard, but they only made one album. So this is, you know, kind of what happened. So they got a recording contract with Arista. They released Time Tells No Lies in 1981, and they were supposed to release this song, the single, off of this album called mm-hmm. I Surrender. And it was supposed to be a big hit for them. It, it had potential. It was a song that was written by Russ Ballard, very famous songwriter. Yeah. Well, at the same time, Richie Blackmore and his band Rainbow had also recorded I Surrender. The same song, right? The same song. The same exact song. Same exact Russ Ballard song. And of course, Rainbow trumped this new band, Praying Mm. Mantis. They released it. It would be a top 10 hit for Rainbow in the 80s. And unfortunately, Praying Mantis, you know, bad luck. One album they were done. Just, I guess it just didn't go anywhere as far as their Mm -hmm. deal that they made. And then they were so big in Japan that they reformed in 1990 because some promoter in Japan said, if you reform and you come play Japan, you will have an audience and that's what they did and they started the recording career again in Japan have we contacted anybody in Japan we can totally go back over there <laughs> so they went from the one album thinking they were done to mm-hmm. now by 2018 they had 10 albums and actually this year their 11th album Catharsis comes out on Frontiers Records if it's not already out it's coming out very soon that's wild super cool so weird how Japan has such an influence on rock and roll culture sometimes like that and their their music is while they have a, a very metal sounding name and they have the same path as Maiden their music is a little more melodic a little mm-hmm. more AOR arena rock so it takes a little bit more from Foreigner than it does say from Maiden mm-hmm. but it puts the Nawabam spin on it so see what let's, you think let's hear it alright so here's a little praying mantis for you from that one album that came out in 1981 this song is called Children of the Earth.
I love that. I did. I really love that. <laughs> I'm with that. you. That was that the heavy was, metal eagles. It was God, it was <laughs> there were so many good things about that. Earlier you mentioned Triumph playing a festival with a bunch of Nawaba bands, and I just thought, wow, that doesn't really fit in. But then when I listen to this band, they're just kinda does. Kinda yeah. tri- very triumphy ish. Yeah. Triumphish. Triumph was like sort of arena rock, yeah. Sort of hard rock, sort of proggy. Yeah, not really metal, but all, all the other place. things. And this band just kind of blended it but right back in and gave me everything I love. Some the amazing three part harmonies all throughout the chorus on that. Just That's why I called them the heavy metal eagles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, sorry, just got the reference. But you're right. Yeah, it was just a lot of beautiful sound in that that was still hard driving, and it, it didn't get boring like the Eagles. It just was, <laughs> right, right. Still had no wobble. Still had no wobble. Still had balls to it. But yeah. oh, yeah, you're right. The melodica sissy it had. Ooh, See, oh, I don't know what that is. I have a yes. gla- glass of tequila. I make up words. <laughs> Melodicness. Yeah, I love that. that band. I, let's let's maybe work them into another episode as well. I, I know you're taking notes over there. So I am. I'm taking, all these bands. Just do it again. Let's just. Just do the same episode over again next week. I'll be happy yeah. with that. <laughs> Let's do another one. We'll play the same bands. We'll just play another song. I won't remember. It doesn't matter, but I still enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, I, I really dig that band as well. And it's they're different. Yeah. They're different than the rest. They yep. that's what makes a lot of these bands that were kind of 
obviously the upper tier bands, they were unique. I mean, Maiden, nobody mm-hmm. sounds like Maiden. Nobody sounds like Priest mm-hmm. and Motorhead. I mean, come on. And that's what set the top tier apart from some of the lower tiers. But this is kind of, I consider them right in the B level. Mm-hmm. You know, as Oh, the far solid as Bs. Solid Bs. And Maybe a B plus. Still unique. That's what's cool about New Albums. A lot of these bands still are unique. They mm-hmm. they weren't all sound alikes. A lot of times when you have these movements of music, you get a lot of sound alikes. Yes. And there seemed to be, a, it was like a mindset of what they were trying to do, of, mm-hmm. of blending what was late 70s. 70s, early 80s together, and, and they were all kind of doing it, but they were all doing it in a different way, mm-hmm. different cocktails. No, they have some similar elements, but they all have unique sounds to them. Yeah. Gypsy Queen, that was the one I was thinking of. Uh, Triumph, that was Triumph song. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that sounded like the Gypsy Queen. I love Triumph. I, if, I really, I'm learning I, I wish to respect were, them a lot more now, all these years later. I wish they were more obscure because I'd do a whole episode on yeah. them. <laughs> we'll find an angle. Yeah, I'll find an angle to get Triumph in at some point. Your Triumph moment. <laughs> you have to say it with a Canadian accent, though. <laughs> I was actually thinking, I was like, wait a minute, what is that? Oh, oh, it's not an accent. Oh, come on. <laughs> a boot. That's all I got. Boot. That's all I got. What's another boot? It's all I got. There's no boot in Triumph, so I can't mimic <laughs> that at all. Sorry, I scared Dio. He was napping at the foot of the bar. Ah, uh, poor guy. Woke his ass up. Oh, well. You lazy dog. All right, for song number seven, the- Are we seven already? Yeah, we're number seven already. I know. Uh, we're going to play a band- I'm also hammered, so that's all right. <laughs> so we're going to play a band that the 13-year-old in me, the perpetual 13-year-old yes. in me that I am, still laughs at and calls this band the Booby Band. <laughs> Because it's all their covers and boobies. Spider monkeys? Yeah. We'll play a little snippet of that right here. This next song is about the boobies! Boobies! Oh, those boobies! Let's make it work, girls. So anyway, this... Take off your top. Just what you got. Sorry. (laughs) That was the best song ever. (laughs) So this band is called Witchfinder General, and they had two albums, two albums only, back in the day. I went for the booby reference. Well, both of their albums had boobies on them. Oh, nice. And if you could... When you're 13... you were so lucky... It's either that or the JCPenney catalog. If you... Or or, or, uh, National Geographic. (laughs) Oh, you... But those were like... No, that was very liberal. We went... weird to look at those. No, it was... Yeah, we couldn't have those in my house. (laughs) But if you happen to find this band's album, either a, just a picture of it in a magazine uh-huh. or actually find the album in a store, <laughs> yeah, you were you were looking at this one for a little bit because it had boobies. How many times have you held that album up with one hand? <laughs> <laughs> so formed in 1979 in Stourbridge, England. I have no idea what that is, but I think I said it right. South. Somewhere. South England. Yeah, I don't know. They had a heavy Sabbath doom influence, and they were one of the bands that sort of helped that genre of doom 
establish itself. Although, I mean, come on, every dude man is just trying to be Sabbath. But anyway, they exactly. had a very Sabbath-y sound. But I call them the band with the boobies on the cover, so they were naughty boys. And they actually disbanded. They only released two albums. They disbanded sometime in 1984 because there was so much controversy of their sexually explicit album covers in the oh, UK. Oh, imagine that. The real controversy is they heard that Kevin Williams was going blind. But however, they, they, however they managed to get two of them out. <laughs> Their first album only had one pair of boobies on it. Their mm-hmm. second album had, I believe, three girls three on it. Three pairs or three boobs? Uh, yeah, There's three a difference. Pairs, three pairs. Okay, yes. yeah. Yes. That's six. But it's not just the fact that they had <laughs> boobs on them. Were they pictures or paintings? No, these were pictures. Oh, these actually were, photographs. These oh, were wow. recreations of a time in history. So yeah. their name is Witchfinder General. They got their name from uh, a Vincent Price horror movie that came mm-hmm. out in 1968. Vincent Price Invasion. Of the, same, yeah, of the same name. So Witchfinder General was a movie and it was based on what happened in the 1600s in England when they had all these witch hunts. Therefore, yep. you get the Witchfinder General. So ah, <laughs> their album covers, <laughs> this is great. Their album covers showed very attractive witches uh, with open blouses being mm. tied up, tortured by clergymen and pilgrims in a graveyard. Both that's, of them. <laughs> that's just Friday night, <laughs> so, man. Just there's like Friday a church night. in the back. So uh-huh. they, they actually went to a church, and I think it's the band members who were playing the part of the pilgrims and the clergymen. Mm-hmm. So they actually, for both of their covers, they went to a real church. Mm-hmm. And stood outside and put on these big like outfits and uh-huh. took these pictures for their album covers. And that is the reason their music was great, but that is the reason that they broke up because their <laughs> they album were, covers were too they, spicy. They were getting run out of town. That's <laughs> exactly. what you're saying. <laughs> Wouldn't happen today. Nobody would even no, care. No. It's Nobody would a care. A different time. But in the early eighties controversial. Yeah, it was controversy. That's too controversial. They they pushed it a little too far, probably. We're talking the era of Margaret Thatcher in England and Ronald Reagan in the States. So, yes, it was very much. And, you know, 20 years ago, Marilyn Manson was shocking, I guess. Exactly. So, douchebag. Anyway, they did, of course, they reformed in 2006 and they've released one more album since. But that's it from Witchfinder General. I always loved this band. Mm -hmm. And when. I did not get their, their album until iTunes came out and I found both their albums and immediately got them. But I love the, the sound of them. We'll see what you think. All right. This is Witchfinder General with No Stayer from Death Penalty, the album, their first album with only one pair of boobies on the front.
okay, the first part of that was awesome. The once the vocals kicked in, it was kind of yeah, you know, but it's very rush-ish. The first part of it, the, the mm, rush-ish. Okay, yes. all right, Mr. Lifeson. Huh, interesting because I always thought the reason I played that song is because it's got that intro, yeah, and then it goes into a more just probably a more straightforward traditional, traditional standard new album. album song. Yeah, definitely Sabbath all dripping throughout it as well. But I always thought that the intro sounded to me because I'm an old punk guy. It sounded like the punk rock band that tried to also sound like Sabbath, which was Black Flag. It had a very Black Flag feel to it because it didn't quite make sense. The Is guitar. That, did they name their band as part of the their influence from like Black Sabbath? Well, they didn't I never really get about that. They didn't really get doomy Sabbathy until later. Okay. Once Henry the, Rollins the, the, joined, the name didn't originally know. Okay, I, I, I didn't realize they were influenced, but by they, them as much as they yeah, were. Yeah, their later stuff. If you listen to the mid '80s, so like from '83 to '85 mm-hmm. era Black Flag stuff, it's very Sabbathy. It's like punk rock Sabbath. Yeah, which is one version it. of it. So anyway, that that band always kind of it had a real uh, what's the word garagey feel to it, yeah. which I really just appreciate because it sounds it sounds like I'm in their room while they're jamming. It's kind of how I always thought of their albums, I like it. which is kind of what I dig. Anything else? Good nothing, on that one? nothing wrong with digging that. Don't, right. don't apologize for it. Sound like you're ashamed of that. <laughs> Not at all. Okay, last song I'm going to play for you, and this is from a band called Fist. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> Newcastle band. Wait to see where you're going with that. They were a Newcastle band. Now, originally they were called Axe in 78 and 79, which... I like that up until I, the point it became a deodorant. <laughs> right. Much later... They only recorded one song as Axe, and then it became Fist. And their big claim to fame in 1980 was they supported UFO on their British tour in 1980, which that had to be an awesome tour. And their guitarist played with Venom for Venom's 85 tour, so he left Fist for a bit and played with Venom. And then the vocalist guitarist was also in several other new album bands. He was in a band called Avenger. He was in a band called Blitzkrieg, Tigers of Pantang, Rain, Earthrod. All of these are kind of lower tier mm-hmm. new album bands that he was also in. So very prolific with his new album. And then in 2001, of course, what did they do? They got back together and uh, they released an album called Storm, which is actually the only album of theirs I own. However, I do have another one of those compilation albums and I have something that they released in 1980 and that's what I'm going to play. So I'm going to play a song called Name, Rank, and Serial Number from their album Turn the Hell On in 1980. Tell me and the torment is your Name, rank, and 
that was kind of growing on me. I'm not sure about that one. I'm, I'm, At the end, were you singing one, two, three, days? <laughs> well, it's one of the few New Album songs with claps in it. Also, they call claps, me claps, cowbell, and a Big Jack pneumatic middle. Yeah, once again, we're we're getting ripped off left and right here. I mean, come on, <laughs> we got ripped off before we were even formed. Exactly, they knew. God. They're like, they no, know? this is what's going to happen down the road. One, so two, reminiscent three of days. a song we had called Three Days. That's the song. I, I've probably told the story before that the young lady I was dating inspired that song because we had shacked up for three days straight and had a great time. Everybody was just happy about our weekend, long weekend that we had together. And I wrote a song about it and we went to play it and I told her, I said, all right, you know, I wrote a song, doesn't say your name, just be cool. You know, it's, it's you know, a little fun song, just be cool. It doesn't say your name. She starts crying in the middle of that song. She's embarrassed. <laughs> How well, did she know that was hers? Uh, well, I, I think she'd heard the other songs, and she was oh. there during those three days. Mm, right, so I, right, I think right. she remembers it. I, I, I would hope so. Um, <laughs> and that was that was the just a random occurrence that her uh, brother was there at the show too, who was a uh, a marine. He was happy with you. Oh yeah. So I remember we finished our set. I'm putting away my guitar, and you turned to me and are like, um, "Yeah." So Eva's brother's waiting for you out front to kick your ass. <laughs> Go out the back door. Go out the back door, and th- that place actually th- did have a back door to it. So yeah, I went and sat in the van. I think I just packed my guitar and walked out, <laughs> and then sat in the van, like really like on the floor of the van, and was worried that this marine was going to find my and beat my ass. <laughs> he was going to simplify your ass. And I didn't learn my lesson. I, I still wrote songs about ladies I was dating after that, and still, you know. What else you got to write about? Th- it was great inspiration. Got to write know. about real life. No, that man. was Eva. We don't oh, do Dungeons and Dragons lyrics. Eva, she was mm. Eva evil. Oh yes, Eva. Mm. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, that song Three Days that you were referring to was our song, but it sounded kind of like that Yeah, song. so the middle of this song and the outro, very reminiscent. Yeah, that was a fun song. It was really, I don't know, I don't know why we stopped playing it, but it was a good song. Let's leave it at that. Yeah, so here was a Nawabam band with a, to me, a very Blue Oyster Cult sounding song. The vocals even sounded Blue Oyster Cult to me. And then they, yeah, had, and then yeah. they had this middle section that was cowbell, hand claps, and then funky. Yeah, I was going to say, it was an interesting. just song. don't get hand claps in Nawabam very often. Yeah. Interesting song. I always like this band, Fist. The one album that I have, like I said, was kind of them re-recording a mm. lot of their older stuff. So they get full royalties from it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, whatever they're going to get. But it's called Storm, and it came out in the 2000s. And the reason I didn't play from that one, I wanted to get the real drum sounds, because mm. the version that came out in 2004, the drums are so gated and oh. unnatural sounding that it just ruins the music. But the songs See. are cool, but the drums are just, ugh. it was a thing they were that. doing back then. But that's what I got for you today, nice. man. We had a little Nawabam. Hopefully, I forgot how much I enjoy Nawabam. I don't know what it was. The first episode, I liked it. The second episode, this 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 episode really it reeled me in. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I've just heard so much of the later metal that this is still new to me. New wave, get it? Yeah, but yeah, I got you. To me, it is just the core of metal that I really love. Well, so many of the bands that you admire, that you love, came from this movement. Right. They they went beyond it, but still, this is Motorhead. This is made. Uh, and man. I mean, today, where it came from. speaking Period. of Priest. you know, I listen to the satellite radio in my car. Uh, no voices in the sky came on, and I don't get to hear that very often. I don't have it on an album or anything like that. So I can't listen to that song loud enough. And so I had to roll down the windows. It was raining, <laughs> but I rolled down the windows so that my dog would stick his head out the window because even if it's raining, he puts his head out the window and I didn't feel as bad yeah. about cranking it up really loud in traffic. To get out the window deal. Yeah. Daddy's got a rock. Exactly. So I was like, hey, look, I'm going to just roll down the window for, I know it's raining, but it's not raining that hard. So go ahead and stick your head out the window because I got to crank this up. And that, that there's something in my blood that that style of music is just, once again, the description of the Lemmy walking up to you, punching you 
you in the face and just keep he just keeps punching you <laughs> and you're like stop no stop and he just keeps punching you for three and a half minutes and it's just that's the feeling of these songs and Nwabam has that feel where they just go they're not very proggy later on they would get very noodly very proggy right. very yeah. diddly diddly especially Maiden Maiden would and I like it Good, like, give me a trooper any day of the week you know but Number of the Beast I love all of that but I guess I've just heard it so much that yeah. this stuff is refreshing even though it's the precursor to what I like well for such a relatively small island country that is yeah, they make a lot of noise it is england and in wales and scotland and ireland even so many bands from this yeah. very set period of time there's so many bands out and there. it was a very brief period of time i mean four years maybe yeah four maybe even only three yeah <laughs> 81, yeah. yeah 79, 80, 80 81. Somewhere 81-ish. Yeah, maybe by 82, they were, yeah. you know, things were starting to change a little bit, but... But there, it's kind of like incredible. Seattle, you know, every, there's different areas, regions that have their moments that that was just it. That was that time. Yep. And there's just so much more we can get into. So we'll do this again. Yes, please. All right. And with that, we will see you later, later people.